All right, all right, everybody. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Uh, we got a full house. Those who are listening on, 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 online, it's full in here. There's not an empty seat uh, in this place. Uh, we're just missing you, though, those who are not here. We saved you a seat uh, just in case. So you're here with us in spirit. Uh, wow, well, welcome to New Life Church this morning. So good to see you guys. So glad uh, you're with us. As Pastor Lindsay mentioned, it is, um, we have stepped across the threshold into fall break uh, for many, many schools and uh, families. So um, uh, lots of folks are out of town uh, starting now and uh, maybe gone all week. But we pray safe travels for everyone. Those of you, if you are traveling, uh, we pray that you have safe travels and uh, as you go about your journey and your time this week. But listen, we're going to wrap up today. Uh, we're going to bring home uh, this Lost and Found series. We are landing it. Uh, we are, I see the runway. We are landing it today and bringing it home uh, today. And so I'm going to invite you to open up with me your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. As I have been saying for weeks now, we are finally going to get to the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, the parable of the prodigal son, or some of your translations might read the parable of the lost son. Um, but that's where we're going to uh, bring this thing home today, Luke 15. And if you are unaware yet about what's been going on with this series, we have really been focusing our, our, our prayers around this particular, this particular story, uh, particularly verse 32 that we'll read here in a minute. Um, but we're, we've, we've had prayer cards available for the last four or five weeks, um, and we've just been asking folks, if you've got a loved one, you've got a friend, a uh, co-worker, uh, someone in your life that, that you're attached to in some way that is not saved, that is lost and separated from God, um, you want, you're praying for them, uh, we want to pray with you. And so we're just taking that step of faith and asking you to put their name on, on this card, There's, we're not contacting anybody. There's no contact information. It's just we pray with you and for these folks. If you're believing for someone who really needs healing, someone who's battling something pretty big in their life, we're claiming that God's healing hand will touch their life in this hour, in this season. And so if you have not yet filled out one of these cards and put someone down on there, or maybe you have before and you thought, well, there's somebody else uh, that, uh, that I need to put down. It's not too late. We have these available. Uh, at the end of service, you can come and do that. You can grab a card, put it right here, and join with the other cards. And as a pastoral staff, we pray every week over, uh, over these cards. They're working a few kinks out here. Um, the microphone. And, uh, but anyway, that's, that's been kind of the anthem and the spirit behind this series is praying for the lost to be found. Amen? Luke 15, you should be there by now. Luke 15, it will also be on the screen. We're going to start out reading the first few verses uh, to kick this thing off. It says this. This is the story, a parable that Jesus is telling to illustrate a point. It says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying from hunger. I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And the last part we'll read here, the beginning of verse 20. So he returned home to his father. Can everybody say he returned home? 
he returned home to his father. Let's pray over this word today. God, we pause right now and take time to fix our attention, our thoughts, our listening ear, and our spirits to what you have to say to us. Lord, we know there is something you want to speak directly to our lives that will not only benefit us and help us, but it will also help us to help others, to be pointed and guided and directed in your direction. For a lot of people everywhere, we're all looking, we're all searching, and hopefully we want to be found by you. We pray that this word will touch our hearts and it will help our lives, and we also will be a light in this dark world to do the same for others. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Everybody can say amen. As I mentioned, bringing this word home, I've titled this message today in this final part of this series, Lost and Found, Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home. Kind of further drive this point home and set this up, I pulled a few quotes together um, from some, some of these names you'll, you'll recognize. Some of these folks you'll know, but here's one. Rachel Ray says, Good food and a warm kitchen are what make a house a home, right? I like that one. Amen to that. Amen to that one, especially in about an hour. Here's another one by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. She says, The home is the center and circumference the start and the finish of most of our lives. You might know this person, William Shakespeare. People usually are the happiest at home. Angela Wood says, if you know you're going home, the journey is never too hard. Joseph Brodsky, no matter... And I don't know some of these people, so if they're like crazy off-the-chain wackos, forgive me, because I didn't look up who they were, some of these names. I just liked what they said at this particular point. No matter under what circumstances you leave it, home does not cease to be home, no matter how you live there, well or poorly. Lida M. Child says, Home the blessed word which opens to the human heart the most perfect glimpse of heaven and helps to carry it thither as on an angel's wings. Some of you creatives might like that one. Charles Swain, home is where there's one to love us. Only got 50 more, okay? <laughs> Joking. Marjorie Kenan Rawlings, I do not understand how anyone can live without one small place of enchantment to turn to. That's good. And M.K. Sony, home, sweet home. This is the place to find happiness. If one doesn't find it here, one doesn't find it anywhere. Home. Today, as we talk about this story and we reference home, Obviously, in the story, it's a natural home, but the bigger picture, spiritually, there is a greater home for all of God's children to be strongly, well-connected with God, our Father. So this younger son left with all of his money, and he wasted it, spent every dime he had, wasted it. The Bible calls it wasteful living. He was broke. He was hungry. He was tired. He was filthy. He had no relationships with anyone, and he had nowhere to go. You could say he was far from everyone and every, and he was, and everything and everyone familiar was far from him. Here he was out, literally, on his own. But the good news that we read the story, it says, finally. He came to his senses. Finally. Finally. So after all this time, after all the spending, after all the wasting, 
after all the looking, all the searching, after all the going, and after all the running away, he finally came to his senses. And this opens up this part of the story where we see three things about this younger son, and actually it opens up the story even wider to allow us to see these same three stances with the father, which we'll get to in a minute, and then this young man's older son, or his older brother, I should say. So the younger son, he has this perception. He came, finally comes to his senses, and he has this perception. And his, his perception is, hey, I'm not good. I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what, what, what I've done. I don't like the choices I've made. I don't like what, where the choices I've made have left me. It has left me in this destitute, forsaken place. Nobody will feed me. Nobody will help me. I'm at the end, literally, of my rope, and things are not good for my life. And he says, here's what I really, really, really should do. This is what I need to do. This is what I want to do, and that is I want to go back home to my father. I want to go back home to my father, and a.k.a. spiritually, I want to go back home and be connected with God again. I'm, I don't want to be in this place any longer. I want to go back home. And so his perception is I want to, his, of his reality, it's not good, but I need to go home because home is where it will be sweet again. Home, I feel like, is where things will be right again. So it opens up his mind and his, and his thoughts, and he says, here's what I'll do. It's proposition is I, I got this speech I'm going to give to my dad, this spiel, this presentation. I'm going to tell him, look, I'm sorry I sinned. I fell short. I didn't do you right. I didn't do heaven right. I didn't do right at all. And I'm not even worthy to be called your son. If you would just please take me on as a hired servant. See, his, his perception was right and that he was not good where he was at and he needed to go home and home was where he would get what he was looking for. But his proposition was not that great. Yes, it was, it was partly true in that he took responsibility for his actions he was not good. He took responsibility for his sin. But it was where he, where he thought his position should be. His position was, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Will you just please take me on as a hired servant? So you've got to understand the thinking behind his, his language here about hired servant. The hired servant was the lowest of the lows. In those, eight, in those days, you had bond servant, which was kind of like the very top level of servant of servants, you had the bond servant, and they were more like family. They were included in many of the family affairs. They ate with the family. Then you had the mid-grade, which is just servant. They were loosely affiliated with the family. And then you had the bottom rung, hired servant, which is where this younger son's mind and his perception was about what he felt like that's where he needed to be, hired servant. See, the hired servants, though, were hired and fired by will, they were hired by the day and by the job, and they could be fired at any given time. No warning, no heads up, hey, you're ugly, get out of here. I don't like you, it's, your job's over, move on, it's time to go, okay, you can't stay. And so, but that was his understanding, that was, it. That was the level in which he wanted to go back home as, a hired servant. And see, the hired servant is based on doing, not being. And we're going to get to that in a minute and what that, really, what that really talks about. So, what happens next? Verse 20 says, so he returned home to his father. And let's find out what, begins, what happens here. It says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. Son said to his father, and this is where his speech comes in, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son, period. It stops. But his father interrupted him, and he said to his servants, Quick! Hey, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate, listen to this, we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So this opens up what is taking place at home. You see the younger son away, where he, what happened to him, what kind of life he was living, and then 
So he returned home to his father. I want to be connected with God again. And I want it to be strong. I want it to be good. I want it to be well. And so what happens? Well, you see three distinct things here again. You have the father's perception, a.k.a. God's perception, and that is action. The father's perception, God's perception here leads to action. It says, while he was still far away, the father sees him. In any moment of our life, we feel far from God. Maybe you, you might be here today or listening right now. You may feel far from God. God sees you. God sees you. You may not see him yet, but he sees you. In fact, he never moved. He always was. And he is. And guess what? He is to come. His action. He sees. And it said he was also, the Father was full of love and compassion. And that is God. God is full of love and compassion. It's because of his love and compassion that it moves him to action right? It moves him to action. The slightest move any one of us make towards God, God moves quickly towards us. But our minds can play tricks on us. We can buy into the deceitful. God's not going to have anything to do with you anymore because of how you have been doing, what you have been doing, how you have been living, etc., etc. And so many people buy into that. So many people buy into that deception. But God sees you when you're far, and you make the slightest move towards him, boom, he sees you. And he makes a quick move towards you. Action. You have God's action, but you then have God's acceptance. God's acceptance. And so here's, here's, here's what happens here. When, when he moves towards you, and you see his action towards you, it said that he embraced him, he kissed him, right? Kissed him, and he embraced him. He ran to him. So part of God's action is he comes to you quickly, then part of God's action is he embraces you. What does that mean? He embraces the, this, this young son. He was not clean. He was still filthy. He just came straight from the pig farm, so he stunk. He was nasty. He was dirty. He definitely needed a bath. He could not clean himself up before he got to home. And that's a mistake many, and a deception many people think. I'll just, if I can just get myself cleaned up good enough, I'll clean my act up, then I'll serve God. One of these days, man, I'm going to grow out of this phase. I'm going to get clean. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make myself shine a little bit, get, get some things under my belt. Then I'll, I'll, I'll give it to the Lord. No, it doesn't work that way because that will never happen. We can never clean ourselves up good enough for God to take us. Only God can take us as we are, and then he cleans us up. Right? And so he embraces him in his filthiness, in his nastiness, in his messy, stinky situation and condition. The father embraces the son, and he didn't even care what he looked like. He didn't care where he had been. He didn't care what was going on. He just embraced him. And then it says he kissed him. I mean, come on, nasty, sweaty, stinky, smelly, pig, playing, guy. Reaped like a dead skunk on the side of the road. You know what that's like. You know, you're driving, you see it. You can't hit that button on your car fast enough to keep the air in and from the air outside getting in, it, you know, to close that thing off and it comes in and everybody's like, who did it? Who did it? No, it was the skunk. I promise it was the skunk. And it's just bad. It stays with you for a few miles down the road even though the skunk was there and, and you're traveling past it. The smell stays with you. And the dad didn't care. He embraced him and he kissed him. What does it mean there when the father kissed him? God kisses us. He forgives. He offers forgiveness. Son, I embrace you. You're here. I kiss you. I'm not afraid of your junk. I'm not afraid of your fear. I, I, I'm not afraid of your mess. I'm not afraid of your bad choices. I'm not going to stand here and lecture you. All that matters is you're back here with me now. 
you're back here with me now. We'll talk about details later, but all right now, I just want you to know I love you, 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 and I, all the kisses, you know, those mom kisses that moms do all the time, just sloppy, wet kisses. They don't care who's around. They just kiss your face, and I don't even do that right there. And It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to smell like spit the rest of the day. But it don't matter how old you get, mom's kisses still happen, right? They just carry on, and God kisses. He offers forgiveness. To this son it was his action that led to his acceptance god accept you know here's the great thing about god's acceptance in our life and as you see in the picture of this story of of the prodigal son this young son it said that, that god accepts us as we are but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are he accepts us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Why? Why, why would God accept us the way we are? And he loves us so much to not leave us the way we are. Why? Because here's the deal. As we are, as we are, is in the position of that hired servant based on doing and not being. God accepts us back as we are, but he doesn't leave us in that position. We were created in the image and likeness of God. We were not created as human doings. We were created as human beings. You and I were meant to be in the image and likeness of God. You can't, I might have to change microphones, so. Without, with having my hands. I talk so good with my hands. I like having my hands free, but I'll get by with this one. And so we're created as human beings, created in the image and the likeness of God. Right? And so God loves us and accepts us as we are, but he loves us so much that he's not going to leave us in that position because what good would it be to stay in the same condition? Filthy, messy, stinky, dirty, problematic issues. What kind of life is that? It's not. We can do that. We can do bad all by ourselves, right? I can do bad all by myself, but I need somebody good enough to make me good. Jesus is good enough to make me good because I can do bad all day long, but I cannot do good anytime on my own. I need the good one to accept me and teach me then how to do good, right? That's why we need a Savior. That's why Jesus came. And so God has action. God has acceptance. This is all what's happening at home. But then God has restoration. He has restoration. The son, he's been hugged to death, hugged to life, I should say, hugged to life, kissed like crazy, just embraced by God, his father, trying to give his speech. I've let you down. I've, sin I've really messed up. Look, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. All that stuff. But in the middle of that, and he's about to say, will you please make me as a high, just take me on as a hired servant. Before he could even start that statement, the father, God, interrupts him and says, quick, hey, do this, bring the finest robe, put the ring on his finger, and put some sandals on his feet. And then when you're done with doing that, then we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate, we're going to have a feast. Because his son of mine was dead, he is alive. He was lost, but now he is found. So we must celebrate with this feast. All of those things have meaning to God's restoration in our life. Put the finest robe on him. That is the family cloth. That is what he wore before he ran away. That is what he wore before he went and wasted his life. Those same clothes still fit. The robes of righteousness still fit us. If you're running from God, feel far from God, God's robes of righteousness still fit you. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a loved one that you're praying hard for that they need to return home. Those robes of righteousness still fit. The family cloth. So the dad's saying, the father's saying, son, 
You, you came home in rags, but now you're clothed in right standing with me. But also, don't, don't stop with that. Put a ring on it. Beyonce didn't coin that phrase. There ain't nothing new under the sun. She just happens to make a lot of money off of it. Put a ring on He said, I put the ring on his finger. What ring? The family ring. The family ring had the family crest and the name imprinted on it, and it was used for transactions for businesses and business deals. They would take that ring, dip it in melted wax, and then put that on the, on the parchment, and it would become legit. And the, and the father saying, put the family ring back on his finger because my son is back home and he is a part of this family. And my family name is his family name. Right? And so he, 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 he puts the ring on. He said, son, you came home nameless. Nobody knew you out there. You thought you were going to go make a name for yourself. And you wasted your life. That's what you were thinking. And that's what happened. But here at home... Everybody knows your name. The dun dun dun. Everybody knows your name. Cheers, if you're wondering what that little was. Not everybody knows it, so. He said, Son, you came home nameless, but now you have the family name on you. And then he said, Put sandals on his feet. Son, you came home barefoot, but now you have a place to stand and a place to belong in this family. You see, this is how God's kingdom works, and he restores. Robe of righteousness, right standing with God, the, na- the, the family ring, the name of God at- attached to your life, God's name on you, and sandals. You have a place to belong. I mean, come on, isn't that what pretty much everybody is looking for? A place to belong? Why, 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 why do you try so hard to fit in with the crew, right? Why do you try so hard to act cool when you already are cool? You don't have to be any cooler than cool. That's ice cold, right? <laughs> why, why, why do we do that? In God's eyes, we already belong, Put sandals on his feet. If they were dress shoes, they might have been Johnston and Murphy's. If they were tennis shoes, they might have been Air Jordans. If they were a sandal, they might have been Chacos. Is that how you say that? Chacos. Or Birkenstocks, as my wife really likes those. Put sandals on his feet because here's the deal servants didn't wear sandals. The hired servants didn't wear sandals. Family wore sandals. Family wears shoes. Family wears the family cloth. Family wears the family ring. So you came home without a place to stand. But here you are. I'm giving you a place to belong. That doesn't, that doesn't stop there. I mean, that's pretty cool and all. That's, that's powerful, right? Standing with God, I'm good. Got God's name on my life. Mm-hmm. I got some new shoes. I'm feeling like I'm a part of this thing now. Awesome. But God takes it even further. The Father takes it even further, and he says, kill the fattest calf we got and cook it because we're going to have a feast. We're going to have a party. Here's the the tie into that. In the Old Testament, there's lots of different feasts, celebratory feasts that went on. In short and simple, here's what those feasts came down to it celebrated the strong connection of God's people with God that's what those feasts in essence were about celebrating the strong connection of God's people with God himself and so the father says let's throw a party let's have a feast because now my son who was dead is alive my son who was lost is now found and he is home again and we're going to have a celebration We're going to have a feast because I want him to know he is strongly connected with me again. Celebration. Celebration. I want him to know that he is strongly connected with me again. Because here's the 
where this was working. The son was far from home and far from the table. Far from home, far from the relationship. And the, and the father, God, says, I'm going to make sure he understands. He is good with me. He is all right with me. He belongs with me here. And he has authority and he has power to function and operate and live the life as a son should, as my own child. But I also want him and everybody else to know that there is a strong bond. There is a strong connection with he and I again. He might have been far from home at once, far from relationship once, but he's back home and I'm giving him a seat at the table. A seat at the table. Right? And so then you get to the older science where we're going to close this thing up here. Verse 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, What was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do, and in all that time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. You never threw a party. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, verse 31, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Verse 32, we had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. We had to celebrate. So the older son in this story, I would say fits a lot of Christians in life, his perception was, I've been good all this time. I did everything you told me to do. I worked hard, came to church, hear me now. I tithed, I showed up to serve. I was good. I stayed home. I didn't give you any trouble. His proposition, why didn't you ever throw me a party? Why didn't you ever throw me a party like you're doing for this, your younger son, who's wasted his life, wasted what you gave him? Why didn't you throw me a party, reassuring me that I belong? His position, son, you've always been at home. Everything I have is yours. This older son, Unlike the younger son, he was close to home, but he was far from the table. He was close to home, but he was far from relationship. Which goes to tell us that externally, you and I could do all the right things. Walk the straight line, dot the I's and cross the T's. Christianly way, but inside, internally... We could be far from the table, far from the relationship. And that's tough for people who base their status of good standing with God on what they do or don't do. Right? This older son stayed home, close to home. Man, but far, so far from the table. And everything he had. Everything his father had was already his. So in essence, the dad was saying, you just, you never availed yourself to it. You never asked. I read this story recently about this 12-year-old boy. His family owned this ranch and this farm. And part of his chores, his responsibility was to go around the ranch and every time a tree was was, was cut down, he had the privilege of removing the stump 
all the stumps out. So he'd do what, how he was taught to uh, axe them down and cut them up and dig around and do all the things that he needed to do to get those stumps out. And he was, he was having, a, having a day at it, and his father was driving around. And he came and stopped and checked on him. He was watching his son there from, from, the, from a short distance, and he was watching his son work so hard at trying to get this one stump out of the ground. It was, a, it, was a, it was one of those stumps that just did not want to come out of the ground. And his dad drove up a little close. He said, son, I think I see your problem. You're not using all your strength. Well, that just ticked that 12-year-old boy right off. And he, I, he ain't seen me work around here. Oh, you're going to drive up now. You're going to tell me I ain't using all my strength. I'll show you something. And he pulls out a bigger axe, a bigger chain, and he sweats a little more, and he, he hits it, and he's pulling, and he ain't getting anywhere. That stump ain't coming out of the ground. And he's out of breath, and his dad said, Son, I, I, you're not using all of your strength. He's like, what do you mean? I'm sweating to death over here. I'm tired out. I have dulled the axe so much. I've pulled on it and done everything I'm supposed to do. He goes, no, you're not using all your strength. He's like, God, what do you mean? Please enlighten me in the most respectful way. Dad, what do you mean? I'm not using all my strength. The father looks at his son and he says, son, you didn't ask me to help you. All his strength was not all on him. It was attached to what all his dad could bring to the table. The older son didn't ask, therefore he didn't get. Close to home, but far from relationship. And sadly, I think that's a lot of believers in churches these days. We're close to home but we're far from relationship. It's easy to pinpoint the prodigal, right? They ain't around. (laughs) They out doing whatever, wasted and wasted, running, hiding. They come home, reread what happens, restoration. Come sit at the table is what his dad said. Can you help me close this out? I want to read a final scripture here, or a few verses, out of the book of Psalm. You can put your notebooks away, Bibles away. Just listen to to these words that David wrote and David sang at a time when when he was in the wilderness, when he was far from the table. Psalm 63, he says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. Listen to his words. My whole body longs for you, God. In this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary. I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. And because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. The dad said, we must celebrate. Because your brother was dead and he's alive. He was lost, but now he is found. Your younger, the younger son was far from home and far from the table. 
God, the Father, made it possible for him to not only come back home, but also sit at the table. The younger, the older son, close to home, but far from the table. His hope, his invitation to the older son, just come inside and sit. Always been there. Always been right there. Amen. I've asked the team, they're, they're going to, or the two ladies here, I think, yeah. They're going to go back through this one song we sang earlier. It's called Reckless Love. I'm just going to invite you, if you're able to stand, we're going to sing this song. As we sing this song, I want you to think about your life. I want you to think, if you're far away, far from everything, the invitation is here. God sees you and wants you home, and he's got a place for you at the table, a place for you to belong. If you're far from God in your heart, and you feel like, man, I'm distant. God seems a thousand, hundred thousand, a million miles away. The prayers I prayed, they're silent. My aches within me, I can't give words to. I need God. I know I must call on Him. In this song, call on Him, and you will find Him. Maybe you are close at home, but you're far from the table. You're just kind of going through the motions of Christianity. It's just kind of making your conscience feel okay but it's making your soul ache and empty and absent. So we go through this song, call on the name of God. He's here. And He's prepared a place for you at His table. You will find Him if you'll turn to Him. And maybe you're just standing here and you're believing for somebody in your life that you know they're not right with God. You know they're far from Him. You know, man, things aren't where they need to be between them and the Lord. Not in a judgmental way, but in a caring, compassionate way. And you stand here in their place, crying out to God on their behalf. That soon, and very soon, that as Jesus knocks on the door of their heart, they will open. He will come in, and guess what he does? Sits at the table why must we celebrate with a feast because it assures us that we belong amen sing this we're going to pray and then we're going to come to the table
words about Jesus. Let's bow our heads. We're going to prepare to come to the communion table. This table represents, you've got the bread that represents the broken body of Christ Jesus, broken for us so that we could be made whole. It also has the cup of the new covenant, juice which represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of everyone. That who would ever believe in him and what he's done, put their faith and trust in him and call on his name, he will forgive and make right again. For that's what he does best. Your heads bowed, if you would. Today, before we come to the table, I want to want us to pray. That if you're here and you, you're one that says and, and knows in your mind and your heart that you've been far from Him, been far from God, maybe like this younger son, you may not have the antics and the actions that he has take that he took, but you know the way you're going is not leading you closer to the Lord; it's leading you further and further away. If you would lift your hand, I want to pray for you right where you're at. If you could say, yes, pastor, that's me. I'm not right with God, and I want to be. I want my heart, and I want my life to be in right standing with him. If that is you, lift your hand so I can pray with you. Or maybe like the older son, close to home, but man, far from relationship. Just kind of been going through the motions, doing what you are told to do and what you think you know to do, but inwardly inside that you know there's something missing. There's not a closeness of God in your heart right now. It's not a closeness of relationship right now. But you want that to change. And you want to be reassured in your life. God sees you. God welcomes you. God forgives you. God moves towards you. And God has a table set before you and a name for your place where you belong. If that's you, lift your hand. I want to pray for you. You feel close to home, far from the table. I see your hands. Thank you. And then lastly, lastly, thank you for your honesty. And lastly, if you've got someone you know that is like the prodigal or like the older son, they're not at the table their spot is vacant and you're praying for them lift your hand so we can all agree together praise God amen amen let's go to God in prayer just close your eyes bow your head this is just for concentration so you can kind of shut some things out for just a minute Father, I thank you for your word that is a light and a lamp 
to our feet and our path that shows us where we need to go. If we ever wonder what direction we should go, we look to your word. It guides us. Today, your word has guided us here as we're about to come to the table. The elements of communion that represent the body of Jesus broken for us, the blood of Jesus shed for us to be forgiven and made whole. That opens up the door for our lives to be restored in the way in which we were created. In the image and likeness of God. Today, Lord, some here today are far from you. They've been running, but they lift their hand. And there's some others here today, Lord, who, have, who are at home, who, who are close to, to the house, but far from the table. They don't, they don't sit and sup with you and dine with you. There's no real communion of relationship there. They've lifted their hand. They made a move. And many, God, lifted their hands saying, I know people, I love people, and, they, and I want them safely at home. I want them serving the Lord. I want them walking in the purpose that God created them for. So we come before you now, and I'm going to ask you here today, we're all going to pray together. Just pray this after me. Father God, thank you so much. For your son Jesus, who died on the cross, who shed his blood, whose body was broken, so that I could be made well, so that I could spiritually be made alive. I ask you now, forgive me of my sins, of my shortcomings, my faults and my weaknesses. I look to you to make me whole. Lead my life down your road, down the path of righteousness that leads to everlasting life. I lift up my loved ones, those I'm praying for, to come to know you. You're knocking on their door and I pray today that they will open. They will let you in. And in my heart today, I welcome you in. Sit with me. Let me sit with you at your table where you say, I belong. I love you. I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.